Today's show is brought to you by Harry's. Please visit harrys.com and use the promo code BCPOD to save $5 off your first purchase. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Hey, Boneheads, what's going on? I got a lot of things to tell you about. Number one, yeah, that's right. I'm going to get right to it. Number one is Bad Christian Podcast Live next week. Grand Rapids, Chicago, and Milwaukee. Now, as you know, we do this podcast two times a week. Many hours goes into each episode, and we do this for free. So we go out on the road. We're going to do these shows. Well, guess what? We're going to do those suckers for free, too. So if you're in the BC Club, you can get, you can come. You just sign up. You come for free. If you want to pay for a ticket, then that's great. You can pay for a ticket as well, whatever you feel like it's worth. Or you can just come for free no matter who you are. You just sign up, and if it doesn't sell out and there's room, then you can come for free. We love making stuff free. We love doing it because we like talking to people. We like talking to each other and doing it in front of other people is even more fun. So we got our plane tickets. We're on our way. Uh, I do think the Chicago show is full, but the other two are not yet. So you can still come for free, whoever you are. So go to badchristian.com slash bcpodlive. You'll get the detail info there. Anyway, see you there. Now, I'm so happy to finally be able to tell you that Aaron Lunsford's book is out. You can order it right now, and one will ship to your house, or you can get it on Amazon straight away. Now, if you've liked it at all, if you've already have it, please go leave a review on Amazon. We're excited to be publishing books. This book is kick-ass, and I mean that. It is good. So go get that book right now. You can go to badchristian.com slash backstage or aaronlunsford.com or just search for it on Amazon. It's called Backstage. Aaron's the drummer from the band As Cities Burn, and the book's called Backstage, How I Almost Got Rich in a Christian Hardcore Band. And I'm so happy and excited and proud to have been a part of this book. It's out now. Go get it. Vocal Feud just put a music video up today. Their album is available for pre-order right now. Go to vocalfew.com, watch this video, check out the packages, look at the vinyl. And lastly, the lineup volume two. It's our sampler. We're going to have some electronic music on it. It's going to be remixes of King's Kaleidoscope, Emory, and a bunch of uh, a bunch of good stuff, BC artists, and people you've never heard of that we found. And it's going to be out next week, and that sucker's free too, so stay tuned. Uknachi. Uh, what did you say? That's three. Ubatiti. Toby, yep, that makes two. no sense. What is that? Matt, he's counting down three, two, one. What language? Give is that? me Reese's. <laughs> that's, 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 that's a fat person worship song. It's the big Any other language besides American? Only, uh, yeah, the only language I know is white. You know, yeah, that's, that's it. That's true, and you are you are very white. You are the whitest <laughs> white person. I mean, it is unbelievable. You look like a snowflake falling on a loose leaf sheet of paper or a computer paper. <laughs> yes, and about as thin as that too. <laughs> Matt, how you doing on not eating so many carbs? That's kind of your thing now, right? So you don't get a little belly? No, I have the belly still. Okay. You are almost bigger than Joey, though. I've uh, peaked out to just over 100. And Fat Matt? 100 and I've just reached over 190 pounds, mm. so I'm pretty much at an all-time high weight. Although Wait, not that you've actually you've, you've gone you've gone north. You haven't gone south. I thought you were like eating healthy and all that stuff. Not recently, no. I haven't been. Wow. Because uh, of the move. You've been moving, yep. 
eating out, mm-hmm. got a kid, mm-hmm. all those things. Just mm-hmm. you're getting old. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I don't. I naturally like eating lower carb stuff. I just do. I think it's right. a better way to eat. I'm te- I'm tempted to just in general eat protein, and I don't, and maybe a vegetable or something. But I'm fine with just eating protein. I don't feel like I also need bread and carbs and potatoes. Now I like them. Right. And if I stop at McDonald's, I'm getting fries too. In general, unless I'm right. trying to be strict, but I like lesser carbs. Um, in general, and I do think that what's considered a low carb diet today will be considered the normal diet in the you know not so distant future. That's all I would say about that. But I'm not a, a huge. I don't. I'm not on some induction phase, no carb or anything like that. So Matt, Toby just got the My Fitness Pal. He's trying to lose a little bit of weight, and he was really bummed out that there's no section for exercise uh, masturbation. Do you know how many calories you lose when you masturbate? Well, it depends on technique, Joey. Okay, what's your technique, Toby? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> hey, listen to this. There is a uh, pleasure. <laughs> That's my technique. Uh, hey, uh, so this week, uh, this will be a little bit of an ad here, but I was reading through our good friend Aaron Lunsford's book. It's awesome. Yes. I ain't gonna lie. It is awesome. Backstage. Yep. How I almost got rich being in a hardcore band. That, that is right, and, and it's, it's very entertaining. And you know I what? love the stories about you and Matt. I know I'm in funny. it. That's why, and that's why I was reading that part, and that's what made me think. Of, whenever I read something about myself, I, re, I really do pay well, attention. Sorry, you're in there more than once. You're not a narcissist. Well, the the there is the awesome part. Is very memorable, but is when Lunsford breaks his femur. Which it, there's so much into that too. I wish I could have actually helped write that chapter because at the same time, uh, okay. First of all, just a little bit. Read the get the book. It's awesome, and this chapter is, is the best because I'm in it. But Relunsford, we're on tour. He ends up breaking his femur. I'm not going to go into all the details, but like there, there was a real moment, probably for a, a few hours, where I, I was in the emergency room with Lunsford and all this stuff, and they. Like the doctors, the way they implied it was like, you don't break your femur this way unless there's something really wrong, like potentially mm-hmm. has bone cancer or something. Yeah. And I remember that moment of being like, oh my gosh, I'm getting ready to find out that Lunter's dying. Not just he broke his femur, yeah. but like my friend here might have like life ending cancer or something like that. And I just, I, I remember all these thoughts and just what that was and, and all these, and just reading back to his view of it, of just being in the back of a van. And us all being cheapskates instead of calling an ambulance and all that stuff and just taking him when his femur's broken and the unreal profanity. I mean, that is something that I can never, ever forget about in my entire life. And it's captured in a book. That is so awesome. What like, does I mean, he remember about it really, different than you did? Well, I don't think he remembers things differently. I think what his point was, all pain. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, his femur, the hardest bone, the biggest bone, hardest bone in your body, the hardest one to break for sure, broke. And so his whole recollection of it is everybody, like, you know, almost uh, a little bit of uh, that, uh, uh, you know, not thinking it's totally broken. Everybody's telling him this, this, and this. He's laying on a field in Omaha, <laughs> a baseball field in Omaha with his leg broken and all the things that we were saying. And all of a sudden, he's just trying to do all this. And then I'm there going, feeling this whole spiritual prophetic thing of this means something. And and his is is bone was broken for a reason and a purpose and God's using this and stuff. And, and like that's the, like probably you were the last thing he wanted to hear. You were, you were spouting that stuff. While too. we're riding down the road and he's screaming in agony, agony, I'm going, Hey, 
I think God's going to use this. <laughs> <laughs> no, you said this that this is the best thing that could right. possibly happen to you. Yeah, right yeah, now. totally. And I mean, I know he was as hilarious how gracious he was in that. And I really felt like I had to tell him this stuff. And then it actually even, honestly, that prophetic word, whatever you want to call it, came true. So I'm not going to give it away. Definitely read that book. But I was reading that this week and just thinking, oh, man, this is crazy. Like, I'm in a book. How cool is that? And what, I mean, there I am. Books are just the thing, man. It's just so cool. Oh, that they're, they're amazing. That it's just weird because we've been putting out music and doing all this stuff, and books are still a different kind of medium where it's just still like, I don't know, it just seems more valuable than a CD or a oh, MP3. Totally. Like a book is still real. You still like to read it. And here's what's real cool about it. Most people don't have them, whereas every daggum body's got a, a song to listen to or a beat or some DJ thing oh, on yeah. SoundCloud or their friends. No, Almost nobody has a full book that's written and it's good and worth reading. I mean, almost nobody has that. So it's like yeah. a real thing. Like I wish he had five books so I could read them kind of thing. I love it. Listen to this. Let me, let me read a little part. I just get a kick out of this because this is some of the similar stuff that you guys have told me about being on the road. He says, fans have their version of Christianity many times, which has been curated by a sheltered, unrealistic worldview facilitated by their parents or their youth group pastor. Then they take this and apply it to the bands that they love. When the bands fail to fit into that box, the, the fans feel betrayed and thus retreats into their bubble and sells or burns merchandise and CDs. We aren't talking about Michael Vick shit here. As Cities Burn was never involved in dogfighting or sex trafficking or some awful action that is universally thought to be despicable and immoral. We're talking about cussing and drinking. I could never possibly count the times that someone has commented on Facebook saying something like, I thought you guys were Christian. This usually comes after we post a pic of all of us enjoying a beer in a pub in UK. Or today, for instance, I posted a blog I wrote that had some evil, bad curse words in the headline and throughout the article. And since in some people's version of Christianity, cursing and drinking is no doubt a sin as cities burns faith is called into question. The whole effing bands. Did you just abbreviate effing because you didn't want to say fucking? Or did he write effing? Based on a blog. No, he wrote fucking for sure. Based on a blog I wrote, based on TJ smoking a cigarette, based on Cody writing lyrics about a relationship instead of God, which is just, it's just kind of crazy, man. Like uh, Break It Down podcast with Dave Bazan I was listening to. If you haven't listened to it, you need to. Dave Bazan is just a remarkable person. The interviewing skills were decent, but uh, <laughs> the answers were unbelievable. Uh, I mean, it's just crazy the stuff that uh, Dave Bazan got as a backlash to the Control album. That wasn't even that extreme. I mean, he he used some pretty extreme analogies, but people were like, done, no more, not listening to this guy because of yep. lyrical content. It's just crazy how people's version of Christianity is just it's, it's their way or the highway. Well, it's not crazy. It's just I actually think that's normal. I was like that. that. I, I know. Me too. I was like that. I mean, I was literally, I told you all that, even when we interviewed Dave Bazan, I was going to write a song entitled you got bazond yeah but that was that was more on him leaving the faith right yeah but i mean that's what i'm saying like i mean i didn't i couldn't give him any grace or a little bit of of a leash to to get out of what i think he should be and that's just tough i mean when you see somebody and it means so much to you and the music means so much to you and it got you through a broken heart or somebody dying or you wanted to potentially commit suicide or all this stuff and then they change what you think they are that's really hard so do you have to attach the meaning to the people that make it that's the really the fundamental question with art that you consume that would it matter to you if sunny day real estate was written by jeremy enoch and a bunch of uh, people from isis you know 
militants, but they wrote that music. Or if it was, you know, their favorite album was was literally generated. You found out that it was literally generated by a computer, or that Rob and Fab from Millie Vanilli were lip syncing. Does that really change? necessarily the music that you listen to or that disc or those times you had with it does it matter to you does it have to does the does the people behind the music have to have anything to do with the art you're consuming i would say it matters to me in that it definitely enhances the listening experience but it's not a deal breaker so if i like the artists like there's some rappers out there i'm just like oh they are so cool and then i'm listening to their rhyme and just tearing up their bars i'm like man this is about as cool as it gets um, I thought, dude, I thought it was so cool um, when you were asking Dave Bazan questions about like the song The Fleecing, uh-huh. which is one of my favorite songs. That's my favorite album of all time, Achilles Heel. And he actually said that that lyric, when, it's, when he says uh, that he still believes, that was within months that he stopped believing. I was like, oh my gosh, that's just crazy, man. But this, would that disqualify the art that somebody that you wrote if they were antithetical to you? If somebody from ISIS, would you not be able to listen to the good album anymore, for instance? From ISIS? Uh, I mean, it, it, no. would, it would take away some of the pleasure. If you found me, out like, Bin hey, Laden was the vocalist on your favorite album, that was actually Osama Bin Laden had sung that, and you just thought it was Dave Bazan. Okay, well, let's, <laughs> let's, let's change it. Would all you, right, would all, you all not of like us. it anymore? <laughs> All right, well, let's change the question that we can all relate to more. All right, so, so Dave Bazan, he's probably all of our favorite artists. What, what if we found out that for the past 15 years, he's been doing Jeffrey Dahmer shit? Right, so I'm saying. We'd to, all be a little yeah, freaked right, out. That's my what, same what, like, I, your favorite me, comedian is Bill matter. Cosby, and now all of a sudden he's. Uh, actually, you know, you're right. That's a poten- great point. Potentially, yeah, that's a great point. Do you, do, you discount, do you discount his art and how amazing I was going to say for the music. I was going to say strongly for the music that you should still like the music for what it is. However, I got no interest to go back and listen to Bill Cosby's comedy because it seems even more right. personal, but maybe I, I guess I'm wrong about that. Interesting. That's interesting. Now, I will say that I can enjoy the Cosby show just as much. Well, not, I'll not say I can enjoy it, but not as much. Not, not as, as much. much. Yep. Because I think I'm sitting I, there. I'm like, this is the coolest guy ever, but no, he's not. Uh, this is an awesome poet that wrote this and it's from like a fan uh, or like a person who looks up to another person. And I just wanted to read it. Dear Slim, you still ain't called or wrote. I hope you have a chance. I ain't mad. I just think it's fucked up. You don't answer fans. If you didn't want to talk to me outside your concert, why'd you have to? But you could have signed an autograph from Matthew. That's my little brother, man. He's only six years old. We waited in the blistering cold. And I think that's one of the most powerful things I've ever Hey, well, adding on to that point here real quickly, uh, because we have an awesome guest coming up and I'm excited, but real quickly with that, I was thinking this week just about what you guys said, how uh, uh, bouncing off of this idea of of fans of art can't handle it when the artist changes or is not the hero that they thought. And then when we look at Jesus, I've always heard like the like, especially with like the WWJD bracelet, what would Jesus do? And we should be more like Jesus and all this stuff. And I was thinking about the idea of Jesus hanging out with a prostitute Mm -hmm. or tax collectors and prostitutes and the the bad guys in the sense of the time or whatever. And I realized there is no way I can do that. If I were to hang out with a prostitute for a long time, there's a good chance I would do something very bad, right. like slip up and, and have some kind of sexual relations with her. You or, probably could hang out with an IRS agent, though. 
Man, I don't know. No, I, I don't know if I could and not try to get something out of him, like help me with my taxes or get me out of this or something. No, I, like, I mean, seriously, I like, I, you know what I mean? So, so my point is, I actually think we can't do what Jesus would do. Like, I actually no. think he was such a unique figure in the history of the world. He is God. He is the yeah. son of God and all those things like that. I mean, I actually think that's almost detrimental to try to be like Jesus because you will fail and you, at some point you'll be let down. Like, the thing is, Jesus did the work. Yeah. You can't. You can't even do that. And so I actually don't think I can hang out with a prostitute, especially not on my own, and actually love them and care for them as a human. Yeah. I, I think on some level I would use That's them crazy or even use their story. Hey, up. I hung out with a prostitute. Look how good I am. Or something. It would yeah. only be for some manipulation or use as opposed to, hey, I'm just going to be here and present this moment and love That's you. Well, I love challenging the WWE. Well, I, you know, I just move into a new neighborhood and it's up there off 99 and there's definitely prostitutes that, and strip clubs up there, like on, in my walking distance, if I'm walking to restaurants and Starbucks and stuff like that. So I was thinking right. about that exact thing. And I told Bridget, I said, yesterday we were driving to Home Depot, I said, do you think that based on where we live, the, the chances of your husband getting a prostitute or going to a strip club have increased? And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, yeah, probably. And she said in the casinos, too, because there's casinos up there. And I was like, yeah, oh, you're, Lord, I said, yeah, you're probably right. I said, let me ask you another one. Would you rather me lose ten thousand? I just stopped. <laughs> I just stopped the hypothetical right there. We didn't want. I said I don't want to know the answer to that one. <laughs> that is hilarious. I would. Love, I'm going to ask my wife that oh, tonight. You don't really want to go. Sure. Like, would, you, would you rather me lose ten thousand dollars to get the casino, or I didn't even. I don't. I don't want to know. We just stopped right there. I I have to know that answer. <laughs> I love that question. Man. That's one. Of my, that is amazing. I really want to know that. Well, it's Joy, what do you think Priscilla would say? Would oh, she, she would totally say, I would rather lose $10,000. Then what, what though? Uh, I, mean, I didn't finish it. What well, if it's $30,000? Then find out that you had went to a strip club for an hour and not touched anybody. Oh, no, I thought okay. you were going to say... Well, had, there's had everything in between. What I'm saying is the hypothetical is valid. You just don't right. really want to explore the ickiness of it because there's somewhere where your wife would flip and go, yeah, yeah, I'd rather you not lose that money. Would you rather your wife lost, seriously... $100,000 or she cheated on you. No, like, I would take the, the cheated you can't do, but there's some line there that would make you really uncomfortable I, to hear your spouse's I would answer. Want her to lose money. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I mean, well, you think she's somewhere the same way? Would she be like, ah, $100,000 I have here? I can, like, can women, can your wife, and we won't say women in general, but do you think your wife could handle you cheating more than losing a ton of money where Possibly. all of a sudden she has to get two no, depends say, on the cheating. All cheating. stuff. I would no, say cheating's harder for females. No, Joey, but it depends on the what the cheating is. Is it just this or is it a total affair or is it just you went to the strip club or is it you looked at porn? Some people say that's cheating. There's a line there that would make get uncomfortable. The thing the thing that you're hitting, Matt, that's really interesting to me is that we actually can quantify sin. Right. And and exactly. make it a, a certain a certain exactly. amount you can withstand and a certain that's amount right. you can't. That's right. So which which leads you back to well, I can handle a guy having sex with a girl outside of marriage. I can't handle a guy having right. sex with another guy. Right. And so that's where I draw the line. Yeah, so it's like you, you mean sin being quant is sin quantifiable or is it just a condition? Is the, I mean maybe the question. Yeah, I just people can handle a certain amount of sin and that's okay, but other sins they go no way. Like I mean, it's people can handle all right, sex outside of marriage or maybe smoking a cigarette or something like that, but a man having sex outside of marriage with another man or female, that no way. That's that is wrong right there. So I think that is what I think is crazy is that we look at sins in an amount 
or a limit. Like I can handle this much, but not the other, which makes us really judgmental. I mean, that's what leads to the on earth judgment and our own self judgment of other people. Because I say, well, Joey, uh, man, he's a good guy. This and this, this guy though is not, not good because he doesn't do this, this and this. And, and that is the whole thing about Christianity that supposedly separates us from everything is that Jesus does it all. You have a ton of, of bad things going on in you. Even you have one bad thing going on in you, but you just can't beat it on your own. Yeah. And what's crazy too is when someone, Let's say, you know, we talk about sanctification a lot. Let's say someone starts to get better. They fail to realize that they can't get better without Jesus doing it anyway. Right. You know, I mean, I guess you can make an argument for cooperating with the Holy Spirit, but it's still the Holy Spirit that's making you better and better and better. So, yeah, it's... That's it's pretty definitely. foreign thought, though, to non-Christians probably. In there. Yeah. I mean, oh, like yeah, this, it, it seems almost arrogant that, yeah, Jesus makes you better and you can't do yeah. it. Like, it seems like presumptuous and jerky yeah. at the very least, so... Anyway, all right. Well, that's enough of that. Why don't we bring on our friend, our old-timey friend. I just did his podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome. I think I have that. Um, his name's Shane Told. He's the lead singer of the band Silverstein. And here he comes. Bam. Man, I love, love, love chocolate. I seriously love chocolate. And I, I mean, I can We know. I can tell. I, yeah, I can seriously Everybody default. Knows. I can default to like going to the grocery store and just buying like a chocolate bar. You don't even have to say you love it. You just say chocolate <laughs> and everybody knows you. you but I'm telling it. you, I realized something recently that going to the grocery store and buying a chocolate bar is really selling myself short, especially when someone like the fudge shop exists. It's crazy, man. Oh my man. gosh, I love the fudge you shop. You were there, man. Yeah. We opened that box yep. and just started it, tasting those treats. They were recently on the Food Network show, Great American Food Finds. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, this stuff is unbelievable. So let me just, let me just tell you a handful of different uh, things that they offered. Very unique chocolate, almond butter crunch, which is toffee covered in chocolate and roasted almonds. That was one of my favorites. But you have handcrafted marshmallows, all sorts of flavors, saltwater taffy, chocolate-covered pretzels, dark chocolate thin mints. I mean, I can't even just pick one. So Toby and I, we were actually hanging out with Craig Gross. We had the family, the kids over, and every single one of us, we could not stop. So many now. times in my life, I've gotten those those uh, you know samplers of chocolate or whatever, whatever it's be a, a holiday or whatever. There's always when you open it, there's always a half eaten one. With right. this, they were all gone. Yeah. I mean, there was nothing that was bad. Seriously, nothing yeah. tasted any kind of weird. Or any, it was all delicious, delicious treats. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, man, you just, if you need to actually go to thefudgeshop.com. That's the fudge shop, and that's with two P's. So let me just spell it for you T H E F U D G E S H O P P E dot com. And that is, uh, wait, is that with a D O T too? That's really weird. Or it's just it dot. That's just a dot com. They're just, you don't have to do D O T. It's just dot. <laughs> You don't type P-O-T in the URL. I mean, we're talking about some of the most delicious chocolate in the world, and you can't even spell it. That's Fudge Shop, S-H-O-P-P-E dot com for some of the best chocolate candies you are ever going to get. It's unreal. you got to right. get it right now. Yes, and the Fudge Shop is giving bad Christian listeners a free chocolate bar with any order. All you have to do is add your favorite chocolate bar to the shopping cart and enter the promo code bad christian at checkout again this is all joey wants for christmas so you can go buy him a gift <laughs> basket full of these chocolate bars right now and start sending them early that's the fudge toby since you shaved your beard back a long time ago are you back in are you in the regular swing of shaving your face every day and using harry's or what 
Oh, yeah. Well, I actually never stopped. I know it sounds crazy, but I kind of ha- have always had like a neared, you know, the, the neck beard. Mm-hmm. So that always gets me. And honestly, it sounds, I, I hope I'm masculine enough and people understand that I am a man, but my skin is sensitive. I mean, I have always struggled with razor burn and I can't afford the expensive razors. And uh, the other ones are so cheap and just rip my, my skin. And even on most of the time, the expensive ones have cut me. So honestly, best thing ever that has happened to me is Harry's razors. It yep. is unbelievable. Well, I didn't know shaving was so expensive because I'm not, a, I've never had to be a big shaver. I barely have to shave compared to other people. And so yeah. I never even realized I just had a little electric shaver, which was kind of crappy. And I didn't realize how much those real razors are they keep in the cage at the drugstore and how much. I mean, it's insane. So when I got Harry's, oh, totally. I was just my whole life has changed because it's way better shave than the other one. And I can afford it. I love the razors. Yeah, I, I was actually at one of the bulk stores this week. And the price I can. I, it was shocking. I, seriously, it was shocking. And that's what makes Harry so great. They make a great product. They make their own blades. They're high-quality, high-performing German blades crafted by shaving experts. And those mm-hmm. are the people I want to trust. I don't, want, I don't want to trust these people, like you said, at the drugstores or whatever, trying to give me this stuff. Yeah, uh, they had a card in there. I didn't tell you. I don't know if you looked at it. You probably knew. You, your dad probably taught you how to shave for real because I never really had to. So <laughs> no, my dad never taught me. But it says, I got a card that says the shaving technique of how to shave down and do this with the grain and stretch your skin. Yeah. Shave Once you finish shaving, shaving upwards, but after you've shaved and how close of a shave that is, unreal. It's like really satisfying totally. part of grooming, and I'm not a big groomer, but it's shaving yeah. with Harry's is satisfying to me. Seriously, Harry's is about half the price of all these other big branded blades, and they ship for free right to your front door. That's that's crazy. A starter set is an amazing deal. For $15, you get a Dang. razor, moisturizing shave cream, and three razor blades. That is unheard of. Yep. So if you, you've heard us talking about Harry's for a while, that's because we love Harry's and use it, and you should too. So if you hadn't got on it, get on it now. Experience a clean, close, and comfortable shave with Harry's. Go to harrys.com now, and Harry's will give you $5 off if you type in the coupon code BCPOD with your first purchase. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and enter the coupon code BCPOD at checkout for $5 off and start shaving better today. Do it! So, Shane, here's what I just heard about you is you just recorded a podcast with Toby. Is that true? Yep. Yeah, I did. A, I did a podcast with Toby. All right, we did a thing. <laughs> now that that's a that's a irritating thing to do. How would you get through it? I, it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a bit of an irritating guy. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> my favorite question I asked him was uh, if Devin was a better singer than him. <laughs> <laughs> and I answered in many ways, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's Devin, no, you, that you were very book. you were very diplomatic about the whole thing. I, I do was, wonder, uh, like, how many bands have like two lead singers that are, you know, potentially close to equal or something like that. That that doesn't happen that lot. much, does it? There's usually just the one guy. I'm trying. I was trying to think after you asked me that question. I was trying to think how many dual vocalists. I mean, obviously, you look at bands like older bands. Like I was thinking something like the Eagles, who had a bunch of singers, you know, or something like yeah. that. But they were still not considered. It was like this is their song and this is this person singing that low or singer that but, the Beach Boys has sure was good. Whoever sang that, <laughs> oh <in> man! <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. But I, I mean, think most di- most bands that have two singers, there's always like the one guy that has like a different sounding voice, like mm-hmm. you know, like Tom DeLong. You know, he's sure. always oh, had totally. that right. nasal thing. You know, and Mark was more like the traditional guy. Yeah. So you know, and you're you're either a Mark Tom, Mark guy or you're a Tom guy. 
Well, they, right. look right. at it. You got to be one or the other. Look at it like oh, in Taking totally. Back Sunday. How Fred was. People would say, or even actually, Fred would say how he was like the disciplined, good, and, and they had a singer before that that people loved too, other than Adam. Yep. But Fred was like yeah, this John. disciplined, serious singer that took care of his voice and knew all his parts and practiced all this stuff. And he actually was a little bit irritated at times. He told us a lot with Adam because Adam would stay up late, do all this stuff, and maybe not even know his parts or have to have somebody play a guide track for him to sing. But in my opinion, what Adam does with his vocals is you, you don't get any better. It's amazing, that, yeah. Personally, that's because it's that's because it's about character with singing. It's not mm-hmm. about hitting right. all the notes all perfectly, right? I mean, the more character you have in the voice, the better. You look at like the uh, the top bands, you know, ever, and so many of them had singers that were okay, and some of them were bad. I mean, like yeah. you heard like Bono. Bono's not a very good singer. Yeah, you know, or uh, yeah. You know, Robert Smith from The Cure, he's not a very good singer Well, either. Toby, you don't like Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids voice that much. But I'd, I mean, no, it, I don't. it's tons of character, but it's, you, just, you don't think it's good in a technical way or something? Uh, well, I, I am a huge person for, like, yes, like you I'm a huge, a huge person, person. In, in general, but <laughs> I, I am big on tone. Like, I mean, I, I mean, like, when Joey first showed me, like, the band Roadside Monument or whatever, oh, I just yeah. couldn't stand it because the vocals were so, they're flat and out of key. And I know that's what they were going for. And that's why I even, like, I, uh, we Shane and I even talked about this on his podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome podcast, there that um, I, I, uh, I, I, it was hard for me at first to even like like Kurt Cobain because I was like, is he just trying to sound shitty? I mean, is he just? It, and, and honestly, maybe he kind of was. Yeah. But, and and like, that goes back to Shane's point of it is about character and how you deliver and what that is. I mean, I mean, think about like vocally Stephen Tyler. But what do you mean tone? You mean from, like from cleanness? singing so pretty and then to, to to crazy raspy voice? I'm just saying that that for me, for example. I actually would do not think like somebody like Tom Petty. I think his voice isn't that great, and if he was in choir, I don't think he got the solos. I don't think he was considered a vocal, uh, wonderful vocalist. But because of the music that he writes and the character it is, he's one of my favorite all-time musicians hmm. and vocalists hmm. and yeah. singers. Like yeah. I mean, I love Tom Petty, but at the same time, I think sometimes it can just be a little bit overdone. And that's why, like going back to Adam, you're right. Like the character that he puts in his voice, it just really displays the emotion, the. Excitement, Excitement, the energy, the feel, all of that stuff you can grasp in that. And so I think that is yeah. important. What Who's about, your favorite, uh, Shane, about, character voices? You know, I, I don't know if I have a favorite. I have some I have someone I, some ones that I actually hate, though. Like, uh, there's two bands that <laughs> I'll immediately turn off if they ever come on the radio. And since they're both Canadian, they come on the radio a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first is Rush. Oh, yeah. Cannot stand <laughs> Getty Lee's voice. Hate Getty Me Lee's either. Voice. I hate it. Cannot take it. Hate uh, it. That one's brutal, and the other one, which I get a lot of flack for, is Neil Young. Yep, I, oh, yeah. I, I agree with I you. Think he's, I think Neil Young, straight up, I just think he's a bad singer. Do you like I mean, Robert yeah. Plant from Led Zeppelin? Uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Robert Plant is sick. I mean, the best thing about, about Zeppelin, well, the funny thing about that band is I always say uh, in the band, in, in Zeppelin, the biggest hack is Jimmy Page. <laughs> like, he's the worst guy in the band. Yeah, and He's, hilarious. like, probably the top five you know, fit like top five best guitar player ever, you know? So that's, that's one of my favorite things. Cause if you watch those old Zeppelin videos where they're just like all fucked up on who knows. And like, I can't, I can't believe how well that guy sings like under that kind of, you know, influence or whatever. It's amazing. That's crazy. Like, um, I think that's proof right there that you don't have to be a great singer because I love Neil Young just because of, I don't know the emotion behind it, but I wanted to ask you guys, what about Chris Simpson from Mineral? 
because he no, definitely true. did not. Oh, he did not sing on key. No, but but that that band. I mean, when I first heard that band, it blew my blew my mind. But it wasn't. It didn't blow my mind because it was like great technically, or he's hitting all the notes. It blew my mind because I've never felt that much pain come out of like a man's mouth. Huh. Do you know what I mean? Like the yeah. pain in that guy's voice. Like that. Was, I'm with you. That was the first time I ever, you know. And uh, so, I mean, for me, uh, I guess for for me as a fan of music, I like to hear. I need to hear one or the other. I feel like if I'm hearing a, a guy that's got a lot of character, that's great. And if and a lot of emotion, that's great. Or if I'm hearing a guy that's like a great singer, I like that too. But if it's if it, either one of them feels like phoned in, then I think forget about it. You know, heart of gold. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> now, it, I now agree do with a Russian impression. <laughs> now now uh, sing no, Tom I, Sawyer, somebody. Uh, so. <laughs> I can't even do it. I, I'm not. I can't go there. Yeah. I totally agree. People love Rush and they love the instrument, the like the musicality of the band. Yeah, I've yep. never ever liked that band. Could never get into it. I just always went for like, like my, one of my favorite singers, Freddie Mercury, for example, just because oh. I just felt like his voice was so strong. And and I'm sure if he was just in a room, maybe it would be different. Like you know, you know what I mean. Maybe it wouldn't have been. But I just think his voice and the and the character of it and the way he sang and the way he made the songs come alive were just were just great for oh, sure. Yeah. Shane, so tell us about lead singer syndrome, both the syndrome itself and the podcast. Yeah, uh, well, there's at least one guy in the podcast that has lead singer syndrome. I don't know who. <laughs> uh, Toby. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, it's a new podcast that I'm just starting up. Uh, you're going to be hearing all about it pretty soon. I'm ho- I hope you guys are going to give me some plugs on uh, you got it on Bad Christian as well for sure. Uh, you know we're a team here, and uh, yes, I'm starting it up. Yes. Basically, the whole premise is uh, uh, I sit down with lead singers, you know, from all different walks of life, different genres, and we talk about you know what it's like to do what we do. Uh, you know, obviously, I've been uh, doing it a long time, so I've got some insight, and you know, just just having a conversation with uh, a bunch of people about about you know. All groupies and stuff like that, right? <laughs> it's just a, like that's a, all lead singers really it's have just to all worry about. about. Your hookups. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's all. <laughs> that's right. It's hookup stories. That was that's the other pod- <laughs> alternate name. Our podcast, the podcast with me, was only about three minutes long. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bad. I'm bad on that area. Well, what is the classic <laughs> stuff with lead singer syndrome or lead singer's disease? I've heard it called. Uh, yeah, I think most of it is. Well, see, I wouldn't know because I'm a lead singer, so I just do it, and I don't, I don't even hear myself <laughs> doing it. You know, uh, I think you know it's the classic. Like, there's the classic cliches how the lead singer, you know, doesn't carry in a, any equipment. Uh-huh. That's one like obvious one. And then you know, like of course, like there's the lead singer syndrome stuff with like with chicks. Uh, you know, um, you know, just having an attitude, thinking he's better than the rest of the band. Uh, that yeah, all the other all stuff just kind of automatically stuff. happens, and you just get to walk in and be the star. That's right, right? That that's right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Everything else is peripheral, and we are the center and the the show, and that, that everybody wants our autograph, and we're the head, we're the quarterback, we're all yeah, those things. But it's for it's sure. from the point of view of the other <laughs> band members who who go. That guy doesn't even do anything. He doesn't even he doesn't even learn yeah. his instrument. He doesn't have to practice, and he gets everything. That's the t- the yeah. classic way that he gets That's looked true. at now but i'll tell you what side of that is i think a lead singer makes or breaks you man i mean for sure if you you can have an unbelievable band and if the lead singers i mean like mark solomon i'm sorry he made stave Sager. yeah i mean just his voice is just dynamic well there's no doubt yeah. about it based on the, our previous conversation we're not talking about the guitar tone gibson or fender for taking back sunday who right. gives a shit nobody cares it doesn't matter that doesn't make or break the band but the lead singer's tone of voice 
does and it's probably god-given and just comes to him naturally and that creates a weird you know that's weird to a to a instrumentalist maybe that would practice you know there's a bunch of weird dynamics in a band but i'll tell you the thing that i've realized is from doing podcasting to learning to sing a little bit or to talk on stage or take any responsibility at all i definitely have to confess i've given unbelievably not enough credit to what it means to be have all the eyes on you on stage and when you talk and what you say and what happens between songs and that pressure and that feeling yeah. that like easily it's easy to be a guitar player and look down at your tuner and not have to worry about it between That's songs true. but that pressure you feel when it's on you is crazy I don't know if it's me coming from a place where I wasn't you know I wasn't a singer originally you know I was a guitar player and then I kind of ended up being a singer in my band because no one else could just carry a tune at all you know so Mm -hmm. by default i was the only guy that could even sing at all so i always came from that walk of life but i guess for me like i never realized that even as like once we were touring and we'd already put out you know albums and we were selling you know touring the world and all that stuff i don't really think i understood that importance of a lead singer until i was having a conversation with um it was anthony from bayside and i don't know we were just having a coffee chatting and he I said something and he's like you know you have the hardest job right and I like thought that he was crazy when he said that to me like I don't ha- and I'm thinking like I don't have the hardest job like I just have to get up there and sing some songs and whatever I walk out I don't have any gear to worry about and and you know and it wasn't until a little bit later I was like maybe man maybe I do have the hardest job mm-hmm. you know and and I guess it's like everybody else thinks uh, you know, I don't know. Everybody else has a different perspective on what the other guy goes through, you know, and until you're in that, sh- those shoes, you know, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, I just always have felt like, um, it, when, when you're on stage, I, 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 Matt, I think you said it exactly right. Everybody else has something in front of them that they can fiddle with or look at. And no matter what, it's almost always expected that the front man goes to the crowd like I've even noticed, like it, like it, in recent years, we've we've done better. But like I was like, hey, why don't you guys talk a little bit? It'd be cool. And then it just doesn't really happen. I'm even like, if oh, you try, maybe- it doesn't work because everybody's glued to you. So that if I right, go up to the right. mic to try to talk and let, I actually learned after doing the podcast to be able to do it and command a bit more authority. But I realized, oh, yeah. Toby really can command authority. Plus, it's automatic that they're looking at you anyway. So if, the, if yep. Josh yep. or I talk on the mic, it's going to either be not loud enough, or we're not going to have the experience to pull it off, or people aren't going to listen because they're not visually looking anyway so i mean all eyes are on you bands, so you have to do it there's been bands that have pulled it off though i mean like fallout boy is the the biggest one that's you true. know pete wentz is always right. talking to the crowd uh in the early days you know i remember the we toured with them back like right kind of right before they exploded isn't that always the way in uh 2005 and i don't think patrick ever addressed the crowd yeah yeah and that's now obviously he's he's got you know he's gotten a little more uh uh, confident, I guess, you know, in his own persona and stuff. He's grown up a lot, but so now he does a lot more of it, but it's still like Pete's band, you know, and it always seemed like, he, you know, he's playing lead bass over there or whatever, you know, it's, uh, it's always the way it was. Yeah. Transitions are the, are the, one of the worst things for me on stage. Like you get done with the song and then Dave, the, our, our drummer or something won't start a song quick enough or there's something that happens and you're like, Oh, should I talk? I don't know. Okay. How do I keep the energy going? What, what and all these things. And then oh. I feel like, but it's probably all so, so a little bit of self-imposed pressure there as well as I got to keep this thing exciting. Everybody, all eyes are on me. What do I do here? But, and then it kind of, it, it just, it, it 
exceeds from that. But I, I think for me, and, the, and and Shane and I talked about this too on, on the podcast, one thing for us, though, is the idea, too, of – and, Matt, now that you sing and scream a little bit more in the live show, you, you see this, too. Our instrument is alive. I mean, it really is alive, and it's affected by the whole day. You're, and, and it's mm-hmm. even affected by your own brain of how good it is and not good it is yeah. and all this stuff. So that's where it just comes through. Like, that's when I, I always am so jealous of when I see singers – who are just so confident. Shane, honestly, we didn't talk about this on your podcast, but I think you're one of those where like, it doesn't seem like you ever complain or have a, a rough night. Like We've toured with you guys uh, several times, been on tons of shows with you guys, and your voice just always sounds really good, and you well, just are you. always I, just really I, solid. It doesn't ever I look mean, like I you second-guess yourself. I think I'm the worst. I think I'm the worst, but, I mean, it, it's weird. There's, <laughs> it doesn't show. There's, there's times, there's definitely, I would say like 20% of the time, I'm good. Like, I'm really good. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, like, going really well. And then 20% of the time, I'm like, this isn't going so well. And then there's that other 55 and I don't know, whatever. <laughs> the, other, the rest of it is uh, uh, right. Like, I'm just, it's kind of like whatever. Kind of going through. This is, yep, I'm going to hit some of the notes. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, you know, miss a couple here and there. But, like, that's how it is. It's, you know, and, and there's no rhyme or reason. There can be a night where I was, like, up all night partying, barely slept, you know, or I'm like a little bit yeah. sick and I can be great. And then there's days when I do everything right. I'm go to bed early, drinking tea, you know, whatever. And I can just yeah. totally suck. And I don't know what is up with that. Maybe it's like you said, Toby, like it's just in your brain or something. I'd say right. it might uh, be in the brain you know? because I've seen Shane sing probably, I don't know, 150 times. I feel like I've seen you yeah. perform and I've seen Toby perform probably a thousand times. And I think yeah. y'all sound about the same every night with 10% variation. <laughs> yeah. So that's my belief. And, I've, and you know, that's just, that's just from my point of view. I can understand yeah, how, how about it feels this, to you. Here, here, here's the difference, though. Like, uh, I mean, how, how often do you go, oh, no, man, my fingers are really hurting and I have to play these chords tonight? You don't ever think that. No, I understand But I actually go, wait, my voice yeah. is hurting yeah, for sure. and I'm going to have to go in, yeah, a, into this building and sing and scream. Mm-hmm. I understand Like, what that. other job do you do that with? You know what I mean? Like, any other job, you'd never walk into a cubicle and go, okay, for one hour I'm going to sing. It's hard. I'm going to yell and scream and do all this stuff. And yeah, so that's totally. where, I, you're, you're right. And, and I do think it's in my mind. That's what's the, the coolest thing for me is when my voice feels really weak i might be a little sick or whatever and i get on stage and it just goes away and the show's that's like the greatest treat ever like that's when i'm like oh my gosh i can hit the notes oh my gosh the crowd is into it it doesn't matter like this whole thing that is the best feeling in the whole world you know what that that's all adrenaline though i I mean there's been times when i've warmed you know i always warm up and i don't really warm up because i need to warm up usually you know usually i'm kind of like i'm I'm awake enough and it's fine i just kind of work warm up to see where i'm at like, oh, yeah. am I in which 20? Am I in the high 20% or the middle 60? You know, like I yeah. explained. Uh, but there's been times when I've actually went up to our sound guy and been like, hey, man, I don't know about tonight. Like, maybe you're going to have to bury my vocal or something because I think I'm going to be horrible. And there'll be times when I get on stage and I start singing. I'm like, I wish I didn't say that. I hope my vocal's not yeah. buried because I'm feeling great right now. <laughs> well, Shane, the, the, so go ahead, go ahead man. What do you think the secret is of being able to be in a band with singing and screaming, or screamo, I should call it, for 15 years? Oh, boy. How can you do that for 15 years? Most of our genre has fallen apart, and we, too, somehow are still playing. We didn't do the breakup yeah. and reunion thing. Why, what's the deal no. with that? Man, Especially I, with, like, I, a third-world country in, like, Canada. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With all that going against you. Dude, Everything right now it's, like, a fourth-world country up here, man. I don't even know what's going on. Uh 
Jeez, you think America's bad? Some of the man, some of the shit going on up here politically, it's crazy. I won't get into it. No, man. You know, I, I don't know, and, and I always like that's such an, a common question, and we've just kind of stuck it out as you know, we're good friends, we respect each other. Uh, you know, we haven't had a lot of member changes. Literally one member change, um, and I think we've always been on the same page. The other thing with our band is. I don't think any of us have gotten bored musically because our band has such a diverse sound. You know, it's like, hey, you want to do something really heavy? Okay, we'll write something super, super heavy. You want to do something soft? Okay, we'll write something soft. So mm-hmm. there's always a different dynamic. You know, we have different songwriters in our band too. So there's, every song is a different kind of, uh, uh, you know, we put it together a different way. It's not like putting together the same puzzle over and over again. You know, it's it can be... A song can be put together any different way, so I don't really know. And and I mean, obviously, our popu- our popularity has has gone up and down. And you know, of course, albums just don't sell what they used to sell anymore. Yeah, but um, I mean, just but, but surviving we've the still genre, kept, we've is still kept cool. our. Yeah, I mean, I I think we've just kept our real fans around, and we've tried to write songs that would te- last the test, you know, stand the test of time. And I think that our fans have stuck with us, and you know. That's, I just can't believe it's really been all, that long. That's really all I could say. It's been so yeah, long, like I, I don't 10 know. years at least since our first time we toured together. 10 years. Like you'd have never have, would you have ever imagined 10 years ago playing in Austin and Emos in 2005 or whatever yeah. that, that we I be, think it was 2004 be, actually. Man. Yeah, or 2004 yeah. that we'd be doing this. So it's 11 years. It's yeah, crazy. 11 years that we'd be doing this today in your wildest dreams. Could you have thought that? That we'd be on a podcast think, today. I don't even think in 2004 I knew what an iPod was. <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think I'd heard of it. I think I'd heard of an iPod, but I hadn't seen one yet. I think that's exactly about like 11 years what was going on. So, I mean, no. I, there's, there's just no way of predicting the way things would have gone. And, and like if you would have told me, oh, yeah, there's like this streaming now, the music, and YouTube is like huge. It's like, I, I don't even know. And... Another thing, too, I think with with our band and maybe your guys' band, too, that's maybe kept us relevant is we've always kind of been on the cutting edge of what the new thing is. And and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean, like, you know, when when Instagram came out, you know, our band was like, we were right on there. You know, we got an Instagram right right, right away, you know. Uh, You guys, like, starting a podcast, you know, like, not everybody was doing that. That's just something that you did, and I think it keeps you kind of... Just keeps you relevant with what and current with what's going on, you know. But at the same time, musically, like you guys didn't totally pull a one eighty at any point, and neither did we. So, I think that I think that keeps keeps your fans around too. Yeah, definitely. Hey, Shane and Toby, was there ever a point in y'all's uh, career when you thought I I definitely have to put my foot down? I cannot scream anymore. Somebody else has to do it because it's killing my vocal. Toby voice. does it every tour. Says that. <laughs> you know, uh, well, I definitely I, I sang for you know obviously I do screaming on the record, but then Josh and Matt Matt does some screaming on the record, but for the most part a lot of a lot of the parts live I get Matt and Josh to do screaming. I mean, there's oh, a yeah. timeline on your vocal, course? especially once Devin was gone. There, I don't know if there's a timeline on your no. vocal course. My voice still sounds really strong. I, I don't. I I have no idea how. I think my voice has taken has gotten in some ways a little worse, but I think it's stronger in a lot of other ways too. So I don't know about what about you, Shane. Me too. No, I have the same, almost the same answer. I mean, I've, no, I do all the screaming uh, live that I can do. Billy does some extra, you know, like backup screams and stuff. The stuff that's like overlapped, you know, that we can't, that I can't do, but yeah. I do it all. And I don't know. I think there was probably a point, uh, you know, back in the, after the first couple tours where I th- considered, hey, like maybe 
you know, maybe uh, Billy will do more of it, or maybe we'll try to get one of the other guys to do it. But I think I think if they had shown more willingness to do it, if they'd come, hey, uh, Shane, I noticed that you're, you know, struggling or you're losing your voice a lot. Like maybe I can do some parts. Uh, but that never happened. So I just kind of realized hey, it's my job. I have to keep doing it. But the other thing is like you have to understand, and I'm sure it's the same for you guys when you guys, you know, were done college and you're touring. Most of the bands that had come before us, you know, like you talk about Mineral, like all those bands, they just put out two records and they broke up. There yeah. was no bands at that point in our scene or anything like that. Uh, like maybe like Bad Religion or something, you know, had had been a band already for like 15 years. But um, most of the bands, it's like you put two records and break and, and break up. So I wasn't worried about like longevity and, oh, 15 years later, am I still going to be able to scream or sing? Or want to. You know? Or, yeah, or want to, or, you know, I just figured, okay, we're going to put out two hardcore records and break up like every other band. And so I didn't really care about that. Um, so I don't know. I just kept doing it and, and I haven't really had any problems. If anything, my voice has gotten better. So I, I, I mean, I've never went to a doctor. <laughs> don't really want to yeah. know, uh, what's going on in there, but yeah, I'd rather just avoid it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> don't get your hearing uh, so, tested so, either then. Oh I, yeah, you know no. what? I did get my hearing tested. Not good. Oh no, not really? Don't tell yeah, me about actually it. Actually, not good. Yeah. Eesh. Mine was great. I was actually pleasantly surprised. I had my hearing tested, and it was like totally normal and good. I was like, wow. I don't know though. I have terrible vision, so maybe you know, if blind mm, people yeah. can hear better, <laughs> I don't know if that had something to do with it. How much are How much are you guys still like on the road and touring? And is this is this still your full time gig with Silver? Yeah, we're, we're totally a full time band. Uh, we don't tour any less than we ever did, really. I mean, we had two, wow. we had probably two crazy years, like back in, I guess, 04, 05. I think those two years we were playing, like, we were doing like more than 250 shows in those two years or something. Yeah. Um, but we still do, and this year's been crazy. I mean, we've had, we toured all January, all February. We had, we had March off, and then April, May, we were on tour, and then we just did the whole Warp Tour. So wow. I don't know how, you know how many months that is of this year, but Man. are y'all married? And, and Do y'all have kids? We still have, and we still have uh, a European tour we're doing in October, and then we're doing another U.S. tour, uh, and our year finishes on December twentieth at hometown show. Dang! So, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's it's pretty intense, dude. And yeah, we we still love it. We still do well enough financially to to yeah. sustain ourselves. Billy works at a bar, but I think he just has has a. I think he just has a extreme love for craft beer and also just a very yeah. expensive lifestyle. Yeah, and a typical so. straight edge flame out. <laughs> there you go. It's, he, oh yeah, I yeah, mean that's I put, right. You know what? It's another interesting parallel from your band to ours. Is you guys? You would you have vegan and some straight edge kind of stuff in there, right? Yeah, Paul's we still vegan, have Paul's still, Paul's still vegan straight edge. We still have a couple more vegans. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but but one only one straight edge member left. Yeah, and so that's kind of your you know like that's kind of your thing is kind of a community and it kind of parallels emory being involved with christianity and having that kind of thing and just like in christianity you have people that fall away and in straight edge i can't believe how many people have x's tattooed on their fingers and hands that are way into craft beer these days yeah it's true (laughs) it's true yeah i I don't know man i never was straight edge so i can't you know i can't comment on that but yeah it's true yeah, for sure. So, how do you guys? How are you able to do that? Who is anybody married? Any kids or anything like that? What is it like being away? You have girlfriends away from family. What do y'all do? Paul, how do y'all handle Paul's that? married. Paul's married. Um, doesn't have any kids, 
and the rest of us, yeah, we all have girlfriends, but uh, but no, we we don't have any kids. We're not married, so we've just kind of I don't know. We just we kind of have lived the same way since the 2004 Silverstein Emery tour. Like literally, not much has changed. Yeah. We're just a little older and fatter. <laughs> Now, is it the same girlfriends the whole time? No, that's not. Yeah, that's changed too. <laughs> that's rotating. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That probably has to change a Don't little bit. Don't change band members. You right? Keep that lineup the same. But the girlfriends, you can rotate. Change the swap. Yeah, exactly. you got to rotate those for sure. So how long do you think you guys can keep this going? Like, I mean, where, do you, where are you guys at with that? Like, I mean, like you said, it's still successful. It's still worth it. It's still fun. Like, oh, yeah. What, what do you, is there an end? Like, I mean, are you guys going to be like the Rolling Stones? Maybe we'll be the Rolling Stones of emo. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, you know, it's 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 always funny too. Like, I was looking through an old. I was look, I was like putting a bunch of shit away at my parents' house, and I was looking through some old uh, Guitar World magazines. And there was a there was a Guitar World magazine with um, uh, the Offspring in there, and Dexter Holland yeah. was doing some interview. And he's and he said the quote. I, I wish I saved the magazine, but I, I put it in a box somewhere. But he said something like, "It's it'll be. I I would never do this. I could never do this when I'm like 40, like jumping around on stage, like 40, like looking like an idiot with my hair dyed and spiked <laughs> up or something. Like it was, it was something like that. And it was like, wow, definitely, that's exactly yeah. what you're doing. He's, de- he's definitely yeah, 45 totally. or more, but he's probably oh, almost 50. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. He's at least he's definitely almost 50. I'm sure. Um. So you know, I, I could say right now, oh yeah, like you know, I can't see myself doing this when I'm 40. Well, Toby's 40 to be 40 right so uh yeah. you know uh, uh and and i now you know i could say okay maybe i can do it with i'm 40 definitely can't do, won't be doing it when i'm 50 you know and maybe that's safe to say but at the same time who fucking knows i probably would have said 10 years ago i wouldn't be doing this when i was 34 you know so i don't know man as long as i'm having fun and and you know we're still making music that we that we like and we support and yeah. we get behind and i don't really you know Whatever. Do you guys think, do you see it differently now? Like, I know for us being in Emory, like, we saw it as we felt like we wanted to write something that we believed in and the music was like premium and what that was. And then as we've gotten older, we realized, wait a minute, we're in the music business. What, what do we need to do to, and it sounds a little bit weird, but like to run a successful business, what do we need to do to make this thing viable, to make it worth it at the same time? Keeping our credibility and writing and, and put it, cre- creating a product that we're proud of and that we care about and that we love the most. Do you guys, has your mentality changed? Like, are you guys more strict on certain things or do you look at it even like a business at all? Like when you're you creating know, an album and that? I think in some, in some ways we've gotten smarter um, with that, you know, with the, with the business side of things. Like uh, over the last, you know, just over the last year, like we've started doing more stuff, like more VIP stuff with our fans and more like, you know, pre-order packages where, you know, people can buy, like spend more money, you know, and we, you know, we've, we've offered like guitar giveaways and stuff like that. We've sold like old, old production stuff, like whatever we can, like that kind of business stuff. But in some ways I think we've gotten actually maybe dumber Uh, and we've, we've started like, we've cared less and less, like, you know, with with a lot of things like like press and stuff. It's oh, like yeah. it used to be. It used to be like, oh yeah, this um, this news outlet, you know, wants to cover you. It's like, okay, we'll take a taxi there, and we'll do this, and we'll miss sound check, and you know, and you do all this stuff just to get yeah. like ten minutes on some, you know, some blog somewhere, or, or you get like a quarter page in some magazine or something, right? And now it's like, wait, we can just wait, we can just skip that stuff. 
Like we don't have to do that, and nothing really right. changes. Yeah, you know, like yeah. that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, okay, we'll just you know hang out, and we'll oh, well. There's a great bar around the corner. Well, Billy can get some craft beer. You know, like that right. kind of stuff. We've we've, and that's what I mean when I say dumber. I mean like we've just like whatever. That opportunity's not there for us. Like, is it really going to affect us? Is it really going to matter? You know. So right. so that that kind of that side of things, I think we've just mellowed out on a lot you know but but musically i I don't think so like musically we've we always want to write the goal has always been to write the best songs we can write and we kind of want to keep our style together we want to do what silverstein does because that's what our fans want and we don't want to alienate our fan base we don't want to put out a record that's like we think is really awesome and you know and our fans are like are this this sucks because for us it's like we still we still love the music we write. Our fans still love the music we write. So why would we change it? Yeah, totally. What? How it is? Is y'all? And I was gonna uh, bring this up. I know. Obviously, you guys have only had the one change, and that was Neil that left your yep. band. And I always remember, <laughs> Matt. You probably can tell the story better about the pizza. The, <laughs> the first time, we, like, t- <laughs> yeah. The <game. laughs> what oh, is this? <laughs> can you tell the story, Matt? Do you remember Shane? Do you remember when we played um, that? It would have been the very end of that first tour we did together where we played some festival, quote festival, meaning somebody got a yeah. bunch of bands and promised a bunch of money yep. and it was a disaster. Yeah. And, you know, oh, yeah, 200 yeah. That, that people they knew came. Yeah. That was, uh, it Indi- was Indianapolis, Indiana- right? Yeah, it was yep. somewhere in Indianapolis. And it was terrible. And it was like one of those things where somebody thought this would, I mean, the, the gross potential on it was like, I don't even remember, some the biggest number I'd ever seen, $100,000. It's like, because the, pl- well, the place we- held like, 10,000 people or something. Yeah, there was, was 200 unreal. people there. Yeah, it was like in some kind of arena. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was and so, so it was like the thing just... where he had all the expenses low and he had his buddies working everywhere. They had a keg of beer and some Little Caesars pizza and everything. And they had a... Um, they So he got pizza to save money on that. And they got... Instead of getting all the band's cases and green rooms, they had one keg he got. He thought that was genius. And he had the keg sitting in a room and one of his buddies running the keg so nobody could yeah. mess, it, mess it up or whatever. And then the, he ordered or the pizza too way too early, so there was no pizza left um, by the time the headliners got there, by the time the, the touring package got there. And so yep. we, we got there, and you guys had been headlining and had everything running tight and would have your own stuff. So we get here, and all the local bands had already eaten all the pizza. And the guy that was the keg master. All his master, friends had eaten all the pizza. Yeah, and then all the keg master. Uh, I can't remember exactly what set Neil off, but he, the keg master got drunk running the keg. So he, yeah, of course he did. So, <laughs> so we had gotten there. We were all devastated and hungry, and the food was gone and everything. And then they ordered pizza again, another round of, and the keg master was drunk by this point. And then when the pizza came, Neil and the keg master got in a fight over the pizza. Like, like yeah, they it, got into a pushing and yelling match about, oh, yeah, you want this pizza? <laughs> okay. Right. And he's like, and uh, the keg master started, you know, yelling at Neil, telling him he was being a prick or whatever. But he's just yeah, like, trying to get some pizza. Who the fuck are you, man? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, why are? don't you go ahead and eat now instead of everybody else? But, you know, yeah. it was cr- it was crazy kind of thing. And so yeah, well, it, was, it, it, it was hilarious for us, too, because we had, we were still new to touring and you guys were like legit. And we were like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, and Alexis on fire. Well, I just we just thought, oh, man, this is a serious tour. And then we got there. And for Neil to do that, we thought it was he like snapped, so yeah. badass. Yeah, and so. I thought it was like so bad. He's like, like, <laughs> I think he walked back and he opened up like four Five, six <laughs> empty pizza box. He goes, Where the fuck 
focus our pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and all of us were like standing on the wall, opening band kind of thing, just standing there going, holy shit, this yes, is about to go that's down what for it was. real. And oh then there was gosh. pizza, and the keg master came and started eating the pizza, and Neil went yeah. insane. Neil <laughs> just lost us because all this buddy, all, and that was like the coolest thing. Anyway, that's a long story to so say. So that's where you got Neil the pizza guy. No, no, awesome. no. That, that's hilarious. I never put that together, but no. He does, but then, Neil but, does love pizza. That's true. Uh, <laughs> you know what I remember about that show? Um, I remember, well, I'm, I actually I can't remember why. Well, I know why I remember this, this, but we were supposed to get paid $2,700. And $2,700, you know, at that time was a lot that of money. That was a lot. Yeah, like a whole that, lot was, yeah. that was probably, that was by far the most we were going to get paid that whole, uh, the whole uh, sure. Uh, tour for sure. So it was, you know, the show was, you know, totally fucked and, and no one came. And, um, you know, usually in that situation, if you're going to stiff any bands, you're going to stiff like the opening bands, you know, you're not going to stiff the headliner. Cause that means yeah. you're, you know, as a promoter, your kind of career's over. Right. So, uh, we were kind of, you know, we were getting a little worried about not getting paid and our tour manager, uh, walked was going to walk the promoter to like an ATM because yeah. the AT, the guy had given us like all this money, right? So the promoter, instead of going to the ATM and getting money, walked our tour manager to his car where he showed him a gun. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and, and then we were like, okay, well, that's fine. You can have the money, you know? We're not going to get shot over uh, $2,700. <laughs> I that is so hilarious that. thinking about you guys being Canadian. You come and then an American promoter pulls a gun. That's right. You. Yep. <laughs> Shows you a gun instead of taking it. Yeah, let's go walk the ATM. Oh, hey, I got to stop by my Lord. truck first. See this. That's hilarious. That's exactly what it was. Because it's the cliche I, 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 of walking somebody to, you know, we're going to walk the promoter to the ATM. We've right. done it a bunch of times, but he had the tables turned on that one. That was good. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, and you know what? It's funny because we never, we never got paid for that show. We never, you know, our agent never figured it out. And to this day, I think that's one of, like, five shows we've got stiffed on. Yeah, ever. it happens. It's, it's awful, and the agent never really has your back. They really kind of do. But they're only getting a percentage of that, and typically, they're like, "Yeah, you should maybe take a reduction, or maybe you should this or that, or whatever." But it's not, and they're not the ones out there. I always think the agents, you know, when it push comes to shove, it's not like they have a lawsuit or there's any recourse yeah. they really have. Like that's the whole point of an agent, but they don't ever really do anything when push comes to shove. Yeah, it, we've had agents that have been better yeah. and dealt with it, and we've had a couple instances with with one of our agents that were like. Yeah, hey, well, you're like, sorry, you're fucked. It's yep. like, well, you booked oh, us the totally. show. Yeah. We drove all the way out there, and okay, well, whatever, man. Like, are you going to take it out of your commission? Too. But Oh, yeah. The, the the thing with that is a good agent just doesn't put you in that bad right. position That's the, at all. You know, you they go, do, wait a minute, this guy's shady. Exist. I'm not going to put my band there. What's he supposed to do? Right. Draw 2700 from the ATM? You can't. He doesn't have it, and you can't withdraw that much from an ATM anyway. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. totally. You know, it's just well, you can't get in that situation as an agent. It, yeah, I mean, we've yeah, I guess I blame the agent for that happening. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah. Well, our thing now is like whenever you get those deals, I'm sure like especially you guys with the Christian scene, sometimes like the amount of money they get in donations and stuff for some of those festivals, it's like crazy. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. you know, like and they're just like it's you get that like too good to be true offer. You know, now we have a policy with our band, it's like whenever we get that kind of thing going on, it's like, well, we need the money up front. That, you know, definitely. we'll come, but yeah. you know, and so that's kind of right. now how we operate. So yeah, anything too good to be true, you got to get it up front. 
Yep. Yeah, totally. But but what I was going to bring up about Neil, since y'all lost him and he was a guitar player, I did always kind of wonder, like, so how do you guys write? Like, in, our, in Emory, it's Matt and I. We write all the music, melodies, lyrics, everything Matt does, most of the instrumentation, if not all. And so did that change the way you guys write, or how do you guys write your music? Yeah, well, our band, I, I was explaining a little bit before, like, we're a bit unique in that um, we don't have, like, one, you know, songwriter that typically like writes something and um, you know, he's like the guy we're all counting on. Um, you know, I'm a guitar player and a lot of our songs, I'd say on each of our records, I typically write like four or five songs. And when I write a yeah. song, I write like all the guitar parts. I write all the vocals, all the lyrics, everything. And I just kind of like show them to the guys. And those are always like, they always call them like Shane's weird songs. Because they never can understand like what I'm doing rhythmically or whatever, they're always like, yeah. "What is that? What is that chord? What are your fingers even doing there?" So there, you know, so there's like a few of those songs, and then with Neil, yeah, he, he would write, um, he would write stuff, but typically with with his stuff, he would come in with like a riff or a riff and then another part, and then kind of as a band, we would jam it out and we would figure out like we'd change the song all around and structure it and however, right. So, you know, he was a great writer in terms of writing great parts, but he never really put together the songs himself. Yeah. Um, and then Josh was kind of like that too, where Josh would come in with parts of songs and then we would, we would work like that. So we were the three, you know, main songwriters. Uh, and now uh, when, yeah, with, with, when we had to let go of Neil and uh, we brought in Paul Mark, who's, you know, used to work for us. I don't know if you ever met Paul Mark, but uh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he used to work for us, and, and he's our merch guy and, and everything. So bringing him in was great because he already knew how our band operated. Uh, and, you know, he's able to come in not only as a great writer of, like, parts and stuff, but he's also a great writer of, you know, of putting together a song and putting together uh, transitions. And also, even now, like, the latest record, he even wrote a bunch of vocal melodies and even some lyrics. So nice. he's, been, he's been awesome. That is really awesome. And then uh, the only other thing I want to know, what is it like to seriously have grown up in Canada and then where you guys started writing this music and obviously had heard all kinds of music. I don't know how much of an influence American music was to you, but um, at the same time, what was it like? Did you guys expect to break into America like you did or were you just planning on being a Canadian band? No, we, we actually like totally didn't want to be a Canadian band. We, you know, uh, we, we'd, we, we'd, I wouldn't say we were old, you know, when we, we were definitely, actually we were pretty young when, when Silverstein kind of broke in, but we'd, we're old enough and, and we'd been in enough other bands and we'd had friends that had to know that you can't start in Canada and work your way into the States. It doesn't yeah. work that way. Yeah. Like if you get signed to Universal Canada, they'll be like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get your record out in the States. They're lying. They, they pretty much can't. And that's why you have, like, I don't even know if you'll know some of the bands. Oh, maybe with being in Seattle and stuff, maybe you'll, like, you might know who the Tragically Hip are, mm -hmm. or uh, you might yeah. know Headley, or you might know, jeez, um, who else? I mean, there's a bunch of, Our Lady Peace, maybe. Yeah. You know, there's a bunch of bands that, like, are huge in Canada. Like, they play arenas, and in the U.S., they're, they're, they don't even, they don't even, they can't even tour. And, and we knew that, for us to be successful, we need to get it, get our start in the States. So when we submitted demos and all that stuff that you do or that you did back in like 2001, 2002, uh, we wanted to sign to a U.S. label because we knew that there's like a trickle up effect, you know, where you can be 
big in the U.S. and it'll kind of automatically happen in Canada. So that's that was our approach. Definitely works. I mean, that's a similar with you would say with in, even in your scenes, in Billy Talent and Alexis both yeah. can be huge yep. bands oh, in yeah. the world, but not as much in the United States, even though they're good bands exactly. here still. And, but. and they were both they're two bands that were they were both signed in Canada and then had to figure it out in the U.S. Yeah. And um, Billy Talent was like huge everywhere in the world. They're still huge everywhere in the world except mm-hmm. for the U.S. They don't even fool so with bizarre. It. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that bizarre. is so crazy. And, and then, like you guys in Canada, though, it, we always heard about how awesome it was. Like they actually supported bands. I don't know if they still do, but like they would give you guys money to make videos. And then if you sold, how many records is like gold or platinum there? Since it's like so it's it's a smaller. Yeah, gold. Uh, gold used to be fifty thousand, and now it's thirty five thousand. Wow, <laughs> it got smaller. It got smaller based on I guess based on just the record sales changing. Yeah, so. Pretty weird, but no, we. Um, I think our one, our discovering the waterfront record would be gold in Canada if it they'd made that change before because we've sold more than thirty five thousand of it, but not before when they changed the number from fifty to thirty five. But yeah, no, the 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 other question about the government giving us money that's definitely true. Um, it's a little weird though. You have to be signed to a Canadian label to get it. And, you know, for the first four albums, we were on Victory Records and we couldn't get yeah. any of that money. Uh, and then once we figured out, okay, we can sign this deal, but still be on, you know, on a label in the U.S., uh, it, we can get like a lot of money. So it's been pretty good. Like we've had a lot of um, help, like just uh, with money and for studio time, producing records some, and even some crazy. touring, some touring budget. So that's just so yeah, unheard it's, it of crazy. For here. Like I, people would, I, I just can't even imagine what people would say on Facebook if they thought their tax dollars went to us getting to go to the studio and make music videos. <laughs> oh, man, it would, it would kill it's us. True. <laughs> it's true. It's true, but part of it is, I mean, shit, the amount of money America wastes on bullshit anyways is like, uh, maybe, maybe some people would, would actually welcome that. But uh, part of it is I think that, uh, you know, Canada does it, a lot of other countries do it too, where they're just trying to get, you know, their their exposure to their country and like, Canada heritage and you know and all that stuff. So I guess that's where it starts. But uh, I'm I'm just waiting for the time when somebody makes a news article about it and says you know tax dollars going here. It's like on the front page of the Toronto Star or whatever, and then that just goes away. I'm just waiting for the day when that's gone because it does. That is a little bit you know filed under uh, too good to be true. I feel like Canadians have a disproportionately high amount of talented people. I don't know if that's true or you just notice it because of the exports, but everything from the... I mean, daggum, some of the bands just from the Toronto area, Monine and Boys Night Out and you and Alexis on Fire are some of the best bands that have yeah. done any relative music to anything we've done. I really think those are four of the yeah. best possible bands, and they're all from the same city. Well, we we all come came from, the, yeah, the same city, the same scene, and one thing growing up, like, you know, I grew up in the suburbs of Toronto and there were so many shows in different venues every weekend, you know, there would be two, three shows going on. And I just thought, and this is in the suburbs, right? And I just thought this is how it was everywhere. You know, I thought every like city would have, uh, you know, a great, you know, little punk scene. And, uh, I guess, I guess I didn't, didn't realize how good I had it. Yeah. And because there were so many shows and there would be like two, three, four hundred kids at all these shows, it didn't even matter who was playing. Um, you know, the bands got better and better. And for a while there, you know, to be in a local band in this area, you had to be pretty good. You yeah, know, and, and just I think like 
like all the bands we're seeing, you know, some of the bands you didn't mention, like I was looking up to like Grade, Grade you know, yeah. which was like an amazing band. And there's this other band called Jersey and Outs Band. They were like, you know, three huge local bands. Uh, and everybody was like trying to be like them. And since they were great bands, it kind of like raised the bar to where it's like, oh, you want to be, you want to be playing shows? Well, you have to be awesome. Whereas like, you know, I don't know what it's like in South Carolina, but like maybe, uh, you know, the bar wasn't quite so high. I don't know. <laughs> Definitely no, right. nothing there at all for sure. That's why we moved to Seattle. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. this has been awesome, Shane. What is uh, coming up for you guys? Tell everybody so they can uh, well, keep going. We have a we have a record that came out. Well, it came out on the same day as the Emery record, actually. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's called "I Am Alive" and everything I touch. So that's available now. Uh, check it out. Uh, and we have a tour coming up in the U.S. Uh, with Census Fail. So we're doing a little co-bill with, awesome. with with our old friends. Yeah, it, sh- it should be really really fun. We're playing some great venues. Um, so check out the dates for that. We got VIP packages, soundrink.com. And uh, yeah, we're going to Europe again. So we'll be over there supporting Boy Sets Fire, which is an awesome, old one. awesome band. And man, they're huge in Europe. It's crazy. So we'll be doing that. And then we're capping off the year with a Christmas show in Toronto uh, with some awesome bands. So can't wait for that. Well, we appreciate well, it. Awesome. Good luck and, with and, the and, podcast too, Shane. We're excited to hear it. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, I'm not sure when we're going to launch it yet. I've just done, you know, the first few uh, uh, episodes now, working on it, getting it together, but it should be out soon. And uh, yeah, for anybody out there that likes to hear crazy lead singer stories, you know, check it out. Lead Singer Syndrome. For sure. All right. Well, thanks, Shane, man. It was great talking to you. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right. See you, man. See you. All right. Shane Toe. Wow. We have, we have known him forever. Yeah. I mean, we literally have known him as long. I mean, Matt, you've known Shane Told from the, he's the lead singer of Silverstein, uh-huh. world famous man. You've known him longer than you knew, like, and have kept in touch with people from high school. Yeah. Some of your Some family of them, yeah. members. Like you, like, you know what I mean? Like you've kept in touch with him. I've and seen know Shane about more his, often and spent way more time with him than I have most of my family members over the last 10 years. <laughs> All of them. And honestly, kind of every single the one of the time you know Bridget. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know more about his life. You even interviewed. You hadn't interviewed your mom and dad. No, <laughs> I spent hundreds of hundreds of hours with Shane. But yeah, my family yeah. way less in that same oh, totally. time span, for sure. That is so hilarious. I, I, didn't, know, I, n- I never would have thought of that. But I used to say this all the time since Devin and I w- was uh, we were roommates and stuff, starting back in college early on through the band time. So before Devin left the band, I, I would say that Devin and I have slept in the room together more than either of us have with our wives for a long time. Because we've been sleeping yeah. in the same room together from 2000 and... No, Devin and I have been sleeping in the same room together since 99 until 2009. Wow. So 10 years. 10 years. I'm sleeping yeah. in the room together almost every night. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you still slept in a room with Devin more than you oh, have yeah, your Oh, yeah, that's wife. what I'm saying. Maybe still. I still may have slept in a room with Devin more yeah. than I have with my wife or any other person. All right, let's get off sure. this old old-timey talk, and let's get to something that's important. Oh, but this is my no, element. Is <laughs> this is where Joey feels a lot That's true. Don't we move need to that, 2015. We need to have a th- just one, uh, every once in a while a throwback for Joey, a throwback BC podcast where it's like all 1997. Oh, man. <laughs> Bonus episode for the BC Club. 1993. Perhaps. I can talk about music, movies. Oh, my gosh. Memories. Been... Hey, that's the three M's. <laughs> music. It's your life. Movies it's what your memories. life is. 
It's totally. How, how often to your wife do you talk about the old times, like before you knew her and stuff? Well, most of the time I spend with her. Like, do you walk I'm, in? Do you walk in at night after a long day of work? She, you know, she's been with the kids and worked, and you walked in. You go, hey, check this out. Hey, you seventeen won't believe years what ago, happened. fifteen. Years. You don't believe what happened. <laughs> now, hey, hey, you, you joke around, but I seriously do say stuff like, "Hey, do you know what happened seventeen years ago this month?" She's like, "What?" I'm like, "We met." Like 17 years ago today, we met. And she doesn't remember it, and you do. Oh, I'm the time dude, man. All right. Matt, kick some music for me, yeah, please. Yeah, kick that my ass. Friend. My friend. In, in a world where you just wish one day you could hang out with your best friend, he would just talk about the present day. Hey, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Say something about Matt, please. Just once. Say something about Matt. In a world where Matt loves sleeping with me <laughs> for 10 years in a row. My name is Toby Morell. This is the damn news. This is the damn news. And I'm sorry that we have to All right. get through this damn news. So I actually have my news today um, is interesting because it's all roving reporters. But, I mean, I got so many of the same ones. So you just I'll, validated your news by so, telling people that it's interesting. Yes, for sure. Um, so I'll, I'll give you this first one. This one did come from, uh, I think several people wrote it, but it, the first one was Nick Hoba or Haba. And uh, Hoba I Boba. thought this one was really crazy. And it just shows you, this is when I get weirded out when people take the Bible and leadership and they make it cult, like a cult and they abuse it. And, and I go, wait a minute, people believed in this. What am I believing this crazy? You know what I mean? Like this, and this is going to be disgusting, but you know me. Uh, the Nick sent this in. Roman reporter Nick. Pastor makes congregants suck his privates in church, says it was has holy milk, which will heal members. No. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping that this is fake in some possible... It's got to be. I don't know if it this is. This is a man. Christian pastor? An evangelical pastor arrested for raping his faithful after convincing them that his penis contains sacred... Sacred milk. That's not funny. Sabrino Valdici Picanto, an evangelical pastor from Brazil, persuaded his followers that he practiced oral sex because it was the way he preached the word, saying that his milk was sacred. And this pastor said his penis was blessed and that the Lord had consecrated with divine milk of the Holy Spirit and, of course, had to go around evangelizing. He convinced us that the only God, that only God could come into our lives through the mouth a follower said, often after worshiper, after worship, Pastor Valdeci or Valdeci uh, asked us to do oral sex on him until the Holy Spirit came through ejaculation and delivered funds to the church. Wow. I'm going to, I mean, he got arrested and people said he was doing all this t- crazy stuff, but I mean, I just, I'm going to And so right the there. people sucked him? Yes. They did that? Yep. They believed it. And, and the, 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 here's what I'm saying though. If you have a pastor that you love, that is preaching and and helping Bullshit. you helping you get through all this Bullshit. bad. Hold on, helping you get through all this bad stuff. And your husband died of cancer, or your wife is is left you, or all this bad stuff. And you just really trust this guy. And then he says this. Say, hey, I know this sounds crazy, but listen, this is what is true. I mean, yep. I, what, what I'm saying is, of yep. course, it's wrong. Of course, this guy's sick and all this stuff. But I mean, are the people that crazy for just believing in a guy that they a, love? Is this a few impressionable people, or is this the it's masses? A church? I mean, I, I don't know how many people. It doesn't totally say how many individual people did but this. You put yourself in the shoes, though. Then think of a pastor that you respect. He couldn't reason with you to tell you that's okay. Well, hang on a second, that. Joey. That's very, very, very common for cults. Almost all cults 
have a sexual ritual built into them. I mean, it's the most common thing on earth. It's everything over time where it's been weird or culty, it always has a sex element to it. It just always does. If if a man, if a a leader gets enough power and it goes off the rails, they'll always be having sex with the young women or multiple wives here or a harem there. That's very, very, very normal. Yes, the sex part, but this guy said that his semen is sacred milk. Right. I mean, I mean that, just, all, all that, the cults have a different a, reason. All the cults, if you break, break down what, what this one was doing or that one was doing, they're all super weird like that. I mean, it's something that doesn't make any sense, but they cults prey on the people that are looking for some kind of answers or something weird. They prey yeah, on the people that are weak. Yeah. The impressionable. And also, yeah. to an extent, I think sometimes these pastors believe it themselves. Sure. They, they are so, uh, who yes. knows what's going on with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in his men- mentally, he's, he's out there to even try to pull this off. And so it's, it's somewhat of a psychopathic behavior or something like that. Sure. So, I mean, I, I, and for sure, there's tons of people that go, oh, my gosh, plant a $1,000 seed. You know, fact, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I mean, I'd people argue believe that he almost all- has to believe it because, in fact, that yeah. would be one of the worst ways to just try to get oral sex. If that's if that was your goal, is right. my wiener sucked. My goodness, it's way easier not to do it that way. That's got to be one of the hardest paths to achieve that end goal. As right, far that's as more about like, more than oh, the yeah. sexual stuff. It's more about power. Yeah, it just evolves naturally out of the power and, and all the control and all that stuff. And, and, and he, he probably, did, it, he probably sure. does believe it because otherwise you would just set, do a financial scam, pay for a prostitute to get that yeah. or whatever. Totally. It doesn't I, matter. I, but I believe it's really easy to believe in stuff even though you don't think so. A pastor says something that you love and you go, wait a minute, maybe this could be true. Okay, you know, and, uh, yeah, I will give my savings to this guy so he can get his jet okay, see, or whatever. See, it might yeah, happen. and I'm not disagreeing with that. What I have a hard time believing is like if if the general consensus of that church as a whole was, yeah, those people that are sucking him right now, they need to be doing that. It seems, <laughs> it seems well, I mean, like, it's not the church. It seems on, like down there's the got to be someone I mean, just pointing and saying okay. that's wrong. Okay, but how about this? What if we're wrong and he's telling the truth? <laughs> what? What if we're wrong and he's telling yeah, the truth? I, I know you have to interpret. Do you know that. for sure you don't, he doesn't you don't have know. a sacred he could meal? Could be right. Can you <laughs> can you promise me and prove without a shadow of a doubt that sucker's not sacred? <laughs> <laughs> you can't. So who knows? Yes, I can. Yeah. Yes, who can. knows, my friend? Who Alleged. knows? All right. This is another one here. It's, it's alleged. Alleged. Allegedly it's sacred. alleged that it's not the spirit of milk. We don't know. I just don't want anybody calling their semen milk. You know, that makes right. me sick to my stomach. I love cereal. I love pouring 2% whole milk on my cereal. I don't want to think about that. That makes me sick. All right. Anyway, this was sent to, a, to me by another, a lot of people, our own Sean Liebernight that works with Bad Christian. But I think the first person that sent it to me was Kat Garvin. Okay. And so I thought this was pretty interesting as well. You know she well. passed away, right? No, she didn't. She's alive and well. That's really? not really a funny joke. <laughs> People dying only makes my it pastor and my church funny. laugh. <laughs> I'll get Joey's back. Sometimes that's funny. Sometimes it is funny. You're right. I'm Wait sorry. a second. I did get an email from her today. It was my mistake. It was somebody else. It was Kat Charvin. Charvin. Yeah, Charmin. This comes from the Daily Beast. He took 35 Viagra pills for laughs and got a five-day erection. Now, first of all, I think a lot of people think that's negative. I'm kind of down with that. Like, that sounds exciting. That sounds like a a five-day weekend. Can you just have, like, uh, orgasms closer together? Since it's erected, does it stay erected? Well, let's find out, my friend. Yeah, let's find out. What happens after he shoots a load? Come on. Daniel Medforth. Come on, Pastor. 36 of Witherness-Sea. East York's had an erection lasting longer than four hours, a lot longer. 
His sacred milk. No, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong story. Medforth, a plasterer by trade and married father of two, told UK tabloid The Sun that he took 35 doses of Viagra in an hour after drinking with his friends for two days. My mate brought them downstairs. I just said I'd take one for a laugh, and one led to two, and two to three, etc. But after pill number 35... Laughter gave way to concern after his vision turned green. Oh a Viagra God. side effect known as cyanopesia. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was, I guess, which means your vision turns green. And he, I never knew that. And he experienced what he described to the sun as a massive erection that would not go away. Medford went home to his wife, who promptly redirected him to the hospital where he belonged. And he stayed there for the next 36 hours, one hour for every year of his life that he almost threw away he told the daily beast that his wife was a little mad at him uh which one would hope is an understatement after the, his discharge medford was put on bed rest but his penis refused to rest with him his total erection time five days oh, it wasn't gosh. a permanent erection but every time i brushed against something for five days it sprang to life and it was no use to me how strange that his wife was not in the mood for sex after medford nearly after Medford nearly left her a widow and their children uh, fatherless. But don't worry, all is currently well and he's back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, which led me to believe, what have y'all done for a joke that really could have been like That really sounds funny to me when I think about when you said, I thought taking five, five, 35 Viagra sounds dumb, but I can really envision the scenario where you say, I'll take one. <laughs> I'll take right. one. Hey, I bet you'll do another one. <laughs> right, and you've been, you thirty-five th- pills. They're small, probably. You know how laugh, not even how a big hard you'd be laughing by number 16, 17. <laughs> eight. Like that sound. That would be so funny to see it go sequentially like that instead of just all. T- I think that would just be such a fun scene to see happen. Because oh, that, for sure, like, somebody well, kept doing 18, it. Why don't I just keep going? You know, it's that's yeah. Too funny. Like you would think, it's not going to get worse. There's only he so was, much blood that can go to my penis. He's one of those guys that's like, if you tell him he won't, he will. He's like, you won't do it. I will too. And everybody dies laughing. Like, you won't do another one. <laughs> what about um, thirty-five Zoloft, Joey? Are you game? Hey, you don't you don't go there, Mister <laughs> Matthew. That's my depression in my life. What would it do to me if I took your Zoloft? Oh, uh, dude, you would just give me weird side emotions effects, for the first time. <laughs> you would cry at the thought of you and Bridget getting married for the first time. You would think about Emory shows and just how the first one, it would just give you a warm fuzzy and maybe an erection. It would just do crazy things to you, man. Sounds like estrogen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One more story. You ready? Yeah. yeah. All right. Now, this one, this one was funny. I found this in myself, but I thought this was funny because I have never actually seen this word in print. <laughs> so in my mind, I read out loud and this is how I read it. Colonoscope. <laughs> <laughs> what I really read it. Colon, colonoscope. I was like, colonoscope helps Thai police recover stolen six carat diamond. Wow. And I was like, huh, what is a colonoscope? I had to actually, and I was like, oh, colonoscopy. <laughs> but it's spelled colonoscope. I think that's wrong. There's Colon- an e on the end I mean, instead of a Y is what threw you. But I mean, you spell scope with an E on the end. I mean, it just, yeah. yeah, colonoscopy should be PY for sure. I would, I would have always have thought that. Anyway, this comes from AP. The good news for the Chinese visitor to Bangkok was that a doctor had successfully removed a foreign object from her large intestine that could have damaged her digestive system. The bad news, it was a $10 million bot diamond the woman had, was accused of stealing from a jewelry fair, adding a piece of rock-hard evidence to the case against her. 
after we talked about Viagra, the police colonel said, rock hard <laughs> the police colonel mana said mon said sunday that authorities got to the bottom of the theft when the doctor wielding a colonoscopy and the medical equivalent of pliers pulled the six carat gemstone from the large intestine of the woman alleged to have filched Ooh. it after nature and laxatives failed to get it out because diamonds are the hardest substance in the world. But, Joey, I know you've had turds that you said felt like diamonds. They were that hard. Yep. The woman identified as 39-year-old Zhang Zulian. Uh, that's probably not right the way I said yeah, that. Yeah, I'm going to go with not right. <laughs> and a Chinese man were arrested Thursday night at Bangkok's airport on their way out of Thailand on the basis of surveillance video from the fair just outside Bangkok, where earlier that day the duha allegedly switched a fake stone for the real one after asking to expect it and to inspect it. The dealer at the booth selling the diamond also identified the two. So basically, they, I think she must have swallowed it. Yeah, to get I'm it not out. Sure. Maybe she put it, hide it, something. Can you, so she thought she'd swallow it and it would come out later, right? Yep. It doesn't say, but it was just in her large intestine. Now, I know this sounds dumb of me, but which, which is first? When you swallow something, is it your large intestine first or small intestine? Small first. Small first, small first and then it goes to your large intestine. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, that makes no sense to me. First is the esophagus, then the stomach, right? then the small intestine, which is the longest, then the large intestine. The large intestine is small. Is the large less intestine length. is where you have whole big, you know, inch and a half turds sitting there. It doesn't right. come out of your stomach that big. It's like paste. Then it works its way through and then collects in that big old large, large intestine, intestine and then the you anus. evacuate it through the anus. That's insane. But she, So they tried to make her get rid of it through laxatives and drinking water, I guess, and stuff, but it just wouldn't come out. So, I mean, it's probably kind of like a kidney stone. She's probably feeling some pain and couldn't move it like you, Joey. And then, but eventually they went in there with some pliers and a colonoscopy oh my gosh. and they got the, a diamond out of her butt, of her butt. Dang, her butt. Does that ruin its value at all? I mean, would your wife want, want to have a big four-carat Whopper knowing that it came out of some Chinese lady's butt? <laughs> I mean, is that discount now or what? <laughs> Here, babe, I thought of you when I bought well, Hold this. on, let me pause that one more time real quick. All right, look, look at this. This thing is a beaut. Butt diamonds. Blood diamonds are a problem, but butt diamonds are worse. <laughs> butt diamonds are the worst thing ever. Yeah, blood diamonds are so many issue. people are dying from butt diamonds. Oh, butt diamonds. It's unreal. Unreal. Well, let me, uh, is that it? Yeah, that's it. That was great, man. And I just want to thank the BC Club for shooting out this new story. <laughs> uh, you shot out two of them. <laughs> Y'all yeah, do that when you, uh, when you shit diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> So the sacred milk damn news brought to Come you. Come on. <laughs> I hate that, that news. Nick, I wish you wouldn't have sent that, my friend. <laughs> brought to you by Brandon Urban, Jeremy Moon, Joel Turner, Josh Boyd, Nathan Class, Dylan Dorman, Andrew Green, Logan Wakeford, Tim Whitaker, Brian. You couldn't say Whitaker? <laughs> well, because it's spelled W-H-I-T-A-C-R-E. Bryant Winters, Chris Gorman. Corey Shores, Jessica Morell. Wow, your wife is giving to the BC Club. Awesome. Nice. We're in my garage, and my wife, no matter what, decides she has to throw yeah, away trash throw constantly away. during she our can't just put the it on podcast. The the door. We get paid for. We have ads on stuff. She cannot wait to throw away our recycling. You not teach get her? out of here. She's you teach her. Leave us alone. She needs to be a Corinthians wife. Lord. Joshua Thompson, Jeffrey Roberts, Jeremy Eccles. How do, how would you, Matt? How would you say E? C-H-O-L-S. Itchels. Eccles? No, Eccles. Eccles. Yeah. 
Well, we love you guys, and almost all of you, if not all of you, are guys. Wow. No wow. girls here unless Corey Shores is a girl. Fellas, thank you. Here's a fist bump to you. For those of you that want to join these fellas, go to badchristian.com forward slash contribute, and I promise you, man, we may not put your money to good use, but we will damn well try. We'll enjoy blowing it. Anyway, yes. guys, I don't know if you have a, a joke or not, but I got to go, boy. I got to go do, move, do grout towel at my house, so I'm signing off unless y'all got a, a, a wisecrack. Oh, no, no, no. I, I did want to finish my story. Joey got a Joey big, interrupted. A big okay. that, that lady, you know what that, what that lady's butt cheeks said to each other? What? If we stick together, we can stop this shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, do you know after all that shit, they got back together? <laughs> Ooh, my butt cheeks. <laughs> Good one, Joey.